right, we are starting a brand new series called Perfect Work, and I am excited about it in the fact that it's going to help us to grow as a church in our maturity. And uh, if you've been around River Valley for any length of time, you know that we've been growing numerically. Uh, This church just has always had uh, a calling and a desire to lead people far away from Jesus Christ into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, last year, we saw 3,500 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it was just an incredible year to see people responding uh, to that decision of faith. And of course, our campuses have been growing at all of our locations. And uh, I-, I want all of those people to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And the, the parable of the sower who sows seed, and some of the seed doesn't mature, some of the seed gets snatched away, Uh, some of the seed uh, gets choked out by the cares of this world. That one bothers me because only a little bit of the seed that's sown of the the faith in people's lives really goes on to maturity. And I'm always like, God, I want to do better than 25%. I want to see us have uh, fruit and fruit that remains and people that stay walking with you. And I can tell you this, it saddens me anytime I see someone that uh, comes to faith in Christ and then just drifts away. It saddens me. It saddens me when, when people don't grow as well. They come in, they stay in the church, and they don't grow. They just stay right where they're at. And uh, this series is saying we are going to continue to reach people, and we are going to continue to uh, help them to grow, to disciple them, and to be a disciple. And for those of you that don't know what that term means, uh, a disciple is, like a, is a follower of Jesus that is being changed by Jesus Christ. A disciple is a follower of Jesus that is being changed by Jesus Christ. So that's what we want. We want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. And that's why our mission statement says we're going to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we want them to know Jesus, but we want them to grow. And uh, in this series, we are going to challenge you to grow and uh, for you to look more like Jesus Christ. Now, the good news is... We have everything we need to grow and to let the Holy Spirit do his perfect work in us. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power, speaking of Jesus, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So Peter's telling us, hey, we've got everything we need. We can do this. And uh, I'm just so glad that I don't have to pursue uh, being like Jesus in my own strength. I'm glad that I don't have to do it in my own strength, but that I get to call upon the strength of God that is in me to uh, be perfect and to be like Jesus. And I even thought about when we named this uh, perfect work, part of me just was battling with this because I think even the challenge to let the Holy Spirit do his perfect work in us is kind of daunting. How many would agree with me? You're like, yeah, okay, we're going to be perfect. We're going to be more like Jesus. I'm a long way away. Uh, I might skip this series. No, nobody's saying that. All right, I hope not. But we're saying it's perfect. We, we want to be like Jesus, but let's go for it. I know we're far away from perfect, but we're going to let the Lord do his work in us and use whatever he wants to do because James 1.4, which is where we got the name for this series, is saying, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so we're saying, God, do your perfect work in us. We want to be mature. We want to be complete. We want to look like Jesus. If we're going to be disciples and we're going to follow him, we're going to let him change us, and we're going to let the Spirit of God use everything at his disposal to change us and to help us to look like Jesus. Now, in this series, just so everybody knows, we're all on the same page, we're doing the sermon series, 
And we will have Christine Kane be part of the series. And uh, we actually uh, know what she's going to preach. And we incorporated it right into the series in a couple weeks. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day and the way that she's going to stretch you. Uh, we have the life groups. And this is critical that you sign up for a life group, okay? That you can be part of this, that you go to our website and sign up for a life group. We have thousands of spots. There are life groups on all different times in the morning, in the evening, uh, throughout the daytime, all different locations. There are thousands and thousands of spots uh, open. And uh, if you're going to make this work, you need to be in a life group. And we have a, a booklet along with it that our team has spent some time. We've never done this before. There's a couple reasons for this. Um, we're going to start doing these on occasion where we do it together. I think it's going to bring big unity into our church. It's going to be bring big unity. We're going to have the same thing to talk about. We're going to have the same thing going on in us spiritually. And as a large church, this is a really strong unifying factor as we all do this together. It's also going to give some of you your very first taste of life groups. Okay, you've been hearing us say it over and over and over again, be in a life group, be in a life group, be in a life group. And you're like, I think that's optional, you know. And so this is going to give you your first taste of it as you join life group. And sometimes people are afraid and there's irrational fears and there's things like, I don't know if I can do this. You can do this. You can find a life group and you can be part of it. And I believe that when you get a taste of what uh, God can do in you through a life group, uh, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be part of it again. Now, I will tell you this, um, the only way that I can really do this series and really enjoy this is knowing that all of our campuses have a firm commitment to life groups, okay? I'm just going to tell you, this is a maturing uh, sermon series. I'm not going to be able to cover everything, and I feel like even the message today, um, if I was to grade it for myself in preparation, I was like, I would give myself an incomplete, Okay, you're like, wow, this is going to be a doozy. All right, you know. <laughs> no, here's what I mean. You have to take what I'm sharing today and you're going to have to chew on it and you're going to have to challenge one another. You're going to need the life group community for this whole series so it'll be effective. And you need to put your pastor, uh, give him peace of mind as he preaches this, that you're going to do a life group. So uh, everybody at the campus that I can see, and even if I can't see you, your campus pastor can see you, will you nod and say, we, yes, give me like a nod. Three people did it. Come on, nod, nod. All right, yes, we're going to do this because it, it you got to understand, I, I know this is the right call for our church to do, to look at what it means to mature. We need to pause. We need to pause with all the width that we've been having and go with some depth here and really get people on the same page, okay? We have to do this, and, and we want you to be mature. We want you to develop, and, and I've got to do this, so I'm pausing, and you know my heart. My heart is always, uh, let's win another one for Jesus. Let's win another one for Jesus. And if I could say this in this series to, for our, our prayer team members, please be ready to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're in one of our services and you're wondering, you're in the valley of decision, even though I'm focusing on believers for this series, we want you to know Jesus. We want you to know Jesus, and our prayer team members at the end of the service would love to pray for you and would love to lead you into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, I, let me say one last thing on this. If you uh, are not a member, you can be in a life group. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be in a life group. If you don't even like our church, you can be in a life group, Okay. <laughs> All right, so you, we, we want you, get the whole thing, be part of this and see what this is because we want you to grow and everything in life grows. 
Everything in life has a, a purpose to grow and mature. And if you had a child and that child didn't grow, there's a term for it called arrested development. And it means that they haven't continued to grow. If their body stopped growing, you would go to the doctor right away and you'd say, what do we need to do? They, it's having arrested development. If they didn't go any further mentally and they didn't understand anything more than the, the kindergarten level, you'd say it's arrested development. We want them to grow and we want them to mature. Everything is like that in life where you want things to mature and move forward. And it's no different with this church. We want you to mature and to move forward. So it starts this way that you're spiritually dead. And when you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you become a, a new creation. God forgives you of all your sins. You become a new creation. And really, the Bible, you'll see as we do this series, talks about you being an infant. You're a newbie. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. And again, just so many people that are, are new in the faith. But you're new. You're like an infant. And then after a while, you start finding out things. And how many know that infants grow fast? How many know that? I, when I didn't have any kids, before we had Connor and Logan, I'd hear people say, like, there's six months. And I'm like, just say almost a year, whatever. You know, I didn't have kids, and I didn't understand that there's a big difference between three months and six months. And there's a big difference between six and nine. And there's a big celebration when they stop needing diapers. Okay, but, you know, <laughs> there's, you, you, you're an infant. And you, and you grow fast when you're an infant. You do. Like, it's like drinking from the fire hose. Every time you come to church, you're like, this is great. This is great. Give me more. Give me more. And then after you're an infant, you become a, a spiritual child. And then you become a spiritual young adult. And these uh, people in faith can be very dangerous. And I will be very transparent with you. I think our church is full of spiritual young adults. We've done a great job getting you to this point and a point of being a young adult, but you need to move past being a teenager, no offense, and move past being a teenager, a young adult, to being a parent, a parent, and, and taking on that spiritual mentality. We're supposed to continue to grow, and um, we want you to be more like Jesus because we believe in this church you were brought into the family of God to enjoy Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your Heavenly Father as your Heavenly Father, to be part of this family, but you're also here to bring more people into the kingdom with you, into the family. And so we want you to mature and be more like Jesus because if you are, we believe you'll be more effective in bringing people into the family of God. So with that being said, Here's the thing. We have everything we need to mature. We know that God's going to use all sorts of things at his disposal to help us mature, and we're open to that, and we want him to use whatever he needs to to get us to mature. Here's the scary thing and why a message like this has to be preached. The scary thing is we can stop our own growth. We can stop our own growth. How many know that if you physically can't do that? I mean, however tall you're going to grow, you're going to grow. How many know you can't make yourself taller or shorter? I remember when I was in high school, I was just like, I want to be 6'4", 220, starting quarterback. I want to be 6'4", 220. It didn't matter. I got to 6'1", 145. That was it, you know. <laughs> It took me to college to get to 155. I mean, it didn't matter what I wanted, but you can't make it go faster and you can't slow it down in your physical. But I'll tell you what, in your spiritual walk, you can slow it down. You can slow it down. You'll see all throughout the Bible that you'll see people that should be growing. Uh, Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, he's like, hey, you guys should be teachers by now. You should be growing and you're really just babies. You're really just babies. You've got to keep growing here. You've got to keep moving forward. And so with that in mind, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says this. 
It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Did you catch that? You no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, remember we talked about that, being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So he's saying, hey guys, you know, we want to make this clear to you. You're not growing. You're not trying. And uh, this is a problem for us. We want you to mature. Uh, The writer of Hebrews is saying, guys, you need to be moving forward. We're doing this for God's glory. We're trying to bring people along. And if you don't mature, we're going to be in big trouble. And then in Hebrews 6.1, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. So he's saying, I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to be immature. He's saying, guess what? We're going to move forward. Like, I just rebuked you. I just said you're not maturing. He just said, basically, it embarrasses me that you're still drinking from the bottle and you're shaving, all right? That embarrasses me, all right? Let's go. You've got to move forward. So because of that, we are going to move forward and we are going to go for it. We are going to let God work in us and we're going to let God bring about this maturity in us and we're going to become more like Jesus, all right? All this foundation stuff. All right, here comes the first sermon. All right, that's just foundation. I want to dispel something about the milk and the meat right away up front in this series. I want to dispel this. A lot of people think meat in the church. They think meat in the church is when they learn something new and it, and it hits them in their brain. They're like, I did not know that about the Roman census. I did. And they're like, that was, deep. That was good. Or they, I may use a Greek word. And for those of you that don't know, again, I always think that people don't know all this stuff, so I, forgive me if you know this, but the New Testament of the Bible was written in Greek. And so sometimes preachers will read it and say, the Greek means this, and it really means this with this and this, and people will go, oh, that was meat. That was Greek. That was so good. Okay? <laughs> And if you've been around church for a while, can I tell you this? This is something that has become like Christianese for I don't know if I like our church, okay? You'll say like, I'm not sure if I'm getting any meat. Feels like a lot of milk lately. I'm just looking for a little more meat, okay? And that might be a nice way of saying I'm not liking the sermons or I don't like the church. I don't know what people mean by that, but I think it's, it's usually like a dig when people say, I just want a little more meat and uh, to do this. Because when, when I look at the text and when I look at what it means to mature in Christ, I'm gonna let you know this. It has very little to do with your knowledge. It has very little to do with if you know Greek, And it has almost everything to do with will you obey what you've heard? Okay? Now, I didn't expect a lot of amens, but I got a few. But I, it, maturity, meat is moving forward and grabbing on to the greater things that God wants you to grab hold of. 
He just doesn't want us being smart to be smart so we can walk around and go, I'm so smart. He's saying, I want to give you these things and I want you to understand what it means to repent and turn from your sins. And I want you to understand what it means to be in a new life with me. And I want you to understand what it means about some other things. And, and there's other things that you're going to grab hold of and you're going to understand about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to grab hold of uh, these other teachings. You're going to understand what it's coming at the end of the days of eschatology. And he's like, you're going to understand these things. And when you understand this, you're going to live differently and you're going to want the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you learn these things, as you follow God and you mature, you're going to be obedient. And as you hear these things, you're going to move forward. Now, just so you know, the writer of Hebrews says something, and I think people that use the milk and meat thing, I think they miss this. Milk makes you mature. Milk makes you mature. Milk actually makes you mature. When you look at the writer of Hebrews, he's saying you get the milk and you start to do this and people that have done this move beyond the elementary teachings and they start to move forward and this milk gives them the muscle to move forward with the meat. I can see there's a lot of blank stares. I'm sure at our other campuses, everybody's totally with me. But um, here's the thing, here's the thing. Think of it like this, it's like muscle milk. It's muscle milk, and you have to grab hold of everything that God is giving you, and you grab a hold of this, and as you get stronger, and as you start obeying the little things, you're going to become more mature in Christ, and the thing that is bothering you is you haven't started with the little things that are milk and done them, okay? Let me just, let me just I'm thinking of a, think of an example. I almost wish I could, like, call for an assist with the pastor right now. Come on up here. Give me, a, give me an example, but... Um, Okay, here's a milk thing. Like, it, we start to discern. All right, I'll jump into this. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really trying to convey this. You can't, a lot of us can't handle the deeper things of God because we're not being obedient to the simple things, okay? You may be embezzling at work, and that's the reason you can't understand the deeper things of God. You, you are watching things that are lustful and wrong, and that's blocking you from going from, to the deeper things because you haven't taken care of the milk thing that says you should live pure and holy, Okay, and so those milk things, and you're thinking that you're, maybe your pastor challenges you, like you need to join a life group, and you're like, I'm not going to do that, and you're in direct disobedience, and so you're wondering, where's the deeper things? Well, you need to go back and join a life group. How many going to join a life group now? All right. <laughs> okay, so those simple things block you from getting to the other things that you need, and God wants you to do that, and a lot of our disobedience blocks us from getting to the things that we need, the deeper things that God will help us to form and be more like him. And our goal is to look like Jesus. That's maturity. And so let me just use a couple things that a mature believer does. A mature believer is, is somebody that learns to distinguish good from evil. That's what it says in Hebrews. So a, a mature believer learns to distinguish good from evil. And I won't do this with everything because I've got a list of these and you'll do these in your life group. A mature believer learns to distinguish from good from evil, and that's what Hebrews 5.14 uh, talks about. It says that you learn to distinguish. But let's think about this. How many know that babies, little toddlers, don't have a clue how to distinguish between good and evil? I can illustrate that for you. How many know that if you put a penny on the floor, it's a choking hazard? It's like, oh, shiny thing. Ah, you know, right? Uh, so the toddler, just they'll take it. How many know that you have to uh, childproof your house and put the little things in the outlets because they're like finger size, you know what I mean? And they, they go there. They don't know the, the good and evil. 
And how many know that as your kids get a little bit older, as they're maturing, they're learning to distinguish between good and evil. And then you have to teach them new things because your kids learn like, don't put things in your mouth. Um, Don't put your fingers in the socket. Okay, don't touch that. Don't put your finger in the fan. Don't do those things. Don't touch that. And then you have to teach them another level when they're a child to distinguish good from evil because how many know it gets a little trickier? And you say, okay, now if a stranger comes up to you, don't go after the stranger. What would you do? Like, I remember we taught our kids the stranger thing, you know, like stranger danger, stranger, right? And so my mom said, do you think your kids are really trained with the stranger danger? Like, have you done a good enough job with them? And I'm like, oh yeah, test them out, try them out. And she walked up to the kids. She goes, what would you do if somebody came up to you and said they lost their puppy and they had to have you? And they were like, we'd go help them. And I'm like, no, no, stranger danger. Okay, is this making sense? A mature follower of Jesus Christ starts to understand, I don't put that in my mouth. I don't go there. I don't fall for those traps. Now, uh, an immature, now here's the thing. Here's where I said that young adults can be really dangerous in a church because you know stranger danger and you know not to put things in your mouth, but a, a maturing believer starts to say this, a, a teenager believer, if you will, says, how bad is it really? I've heard about it. I mean, I know it's bad, but I wonder if it's really as bad as it says. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And if you don't move past that level into like, not only is it danger, but I've got to teach others about it and keep them away from it. I've got to learn to discern evil and good, and I've got to be good at that. That's what a mature believer does. And so if if you want to know what a mature believer does, a mature believer, according to Hebrews and according to what we want you to do, we want you to learn how to discern good from evil. And I can tell that the church isn't doing this very well, not just our church, but the church around the world, and especially in the United States, because we're starting to call evil good and good evil. Our discerner is all messed up. And so we're never going to have this opportunity to get people to mature in their faith because we're not even calling evil evil anymore, okay? So, but a, a mature believer learns to distinguish evil from good. Another thing that a mature believer does is a mature believer seeks to please the Lord. These are things that you start doing. You're saying, I, I'm gonna seek to please the Lord. I wanna obey him and I wanna do whatever he wants me to do. And you learn to not be selfish. Again, just a couple examples with the kids, but how many know that you know, uh, kids don't wanna serve the vision of the house? You know? How many know kids wanna serve the, division, the vision of themselves? And they learn, one of the first words they learn is no, And then the second word they learn, I think, is mine. Okay? No, mine. And they learn those words. And they say, I'm going to do my own thing. I I want to please me. And a child says, I want to please me. And an adult says, hey, I want to live for something bigger than me. Okay? So, uh, again, these are all things. And let me speed through these lists. And in your life group, you'll do these things. But a, a mature believer is not easily carried away with false doctrine. Again, they've learned to discern good from evil. And my question to you is, are you able to discern good and false doctrine? Are you able to tell that? I can tell you that sometimes people say like, hey, a certain group came and knocked on my door. Jehovah's Witness came and I don't don't even know what they believe or what the thing is and whatever. I'm like, are you going to grow? Are you going to be able to discern? Did you think, well, I thought there was some pretty good, and they pretty good arguments and I don't know. And and a mature believer is not carried away with false doctrine. Uh, a, A mature believer is not easily moved by persecution. And I can tell you this, that this just troubled me. I heard about somebody that came to faith in Jesus at our church recently, and they had something bad happen to them. 
How many know that life is full of all sorts of bad things that'll happen to you? All sorts of bad. And they had something bad, and their first thing was like, well, then why did I even become a Christian? That's very real, isn't it? And a spiritual infant doesn't know, like, you obey God even when it's tough, even when the bad things happen. And a mature believer says, you know, you go forward, and even in the hard times, God will get you through them. And you won't be spared of all the things of this world. There'll be some troubles. There'll be some things that'll come your way, and we'll talk about that next week. And those are going to help form you into the person that you need to be. But it's not all easy. It's not all easy. And if you're going to be a mature believer, you're going to stay true in persecution, in the struggles, in the trials, and you overcome that thing of, why did I even do this? Why did I even give my... I thought it was just going to be easy. I thought everything would be perfect. But a mature believer goes through those. Uh, A mature believer works towards unity. And so if you're keeping track of your own life, we did a whole series on this. I don't have to go through it. But a, a mature believer protects the unity in so many different ways, especially with their tongue which is interesting because James talks a lot. If you read James in light of maturing, you'll see that the, the book of James has a whole bunch of things that will help you mature. But an immature believer gossips, an immature believer, and how many know that that's just a, a blockage to maturing when you, you gossip and the Holy Spirit goes, that's not good. And you have that little tinge, you're like, be quiet. I'm gonna do it, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be a, a temper tantrum. How many know the Holy Spirit knows your middle name? He knows your middle name. He'll come after you. But a a, a mature believer uh, bridles their tongue. A mature believer has genuine love. love. Uh, A mature believer relies on our heavenly father. Uh, A mature believer, if you're going to mature, if you're going to really move to the meteor things, these are things that you got to keep moving forward. And a mature believer loves everyone, even their enemies. So I would ask you this, how mature are you? If we had to have you list how many enemies you have right now, people that you can't forgive, that you can't love, we could kind of get an assessment on your maturity. A mature believer loves the scriptures, loves, loves, loves the scriptures. And as you grow and you have obedience to the word of God, you start to love the scripture. And if I could say anything, when, you're, when we've assigned the SOAP, the scripture, observation, application, prayer, a mature believer loves to get it in them. They're like, I can't wait to get this in me because this is protein for me. And as I read this, God's gonna work on me and man, I'm gonna love this. Mature believer believes in the power of prayer. And when we do the 21 days of prayer, they're like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to do this. I'm excited about this. A mature believer doesn't say about fasting, like, what's the least I can fast? (laughs) Vikings football, it's over. All right, good, you know. No, it's not a mature believer. Mature believers look for opportunities to give out of their bank account. You know, because they're saying, you know what, I want to give, I want to advance the cause of Christ. If God's speaking to me about money and he wants me to advance the cause of Christ and I'm here to do this, a mature believer's like, I'm in, I'm in, let's go for this, let's do this. How much more can we do rather than like, ugh, I forgot, skip the month of January because it's Kingdom Builders Month, ugh, you know, let's go for it. A mature believer looks for opportunity. I can tell you this, I was so excited 
uh, when Connor and Logan just ran some of their goals by me. They're like, here's our goal for this year. And here's our goal for how many books we're going to read. And here's our goal for giving. And when I looked at that, I just thought, there are some guys that are maturing in their walk with God. They're getting it. God's speaking to them. And he's speaking to them about another level. And I'm even sitting back going, just like, go for it. And when I see the other kids in our youth group doing things like this, it excites me because that shows maturity. A mature believer listens to other mature Christians' advice. They're teachable. How many know teenagers are not teachable? For the most part, some are. But how many know that sometimes they'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I just am amazed at how smart my parents got when I turned about 24. How many are with me? Just amazing. I just grew up. I had a greater understanding. A mature believer is teachable. Uh, I'll go through a couple more of these. And again, these will be in your life group. Uh, a, A mature believer understands what tempts them and starts avoiding those situations. They don't just say, well, I just kind of fell into it. That's what an immature believer does. A mature believer says, I've been saying no, and I've, been listen- I've learned to discern between good and evil, and I know that this is a trouble area, and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be a mature believer. A mature believer is dependable. Well, they say what they're going to do, and they do it. They follow through. That's a mature believer. I wrote this down, a mature believer lives by their convictions and not their emotions and definitely not their hormones. That's a mature believer. A mature believer, last one I'll give you here. Um, A mature believer is missions-minded and starts thinking of others. They take on the mentality of a parent that says, I'm gonna take care of me and have enough for others. I'm gonna be in this and I'm gonna be looking for the next person to welcome into the family. I'm not, it's not just about me and having my seat and my spot and people taking care of me. They're missions-minded and they're like, how can we reach more people? And in this whole process, they're aiming to be more like Jesus. And a mature believer looks for other people and does this. I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ. I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ. And and as I close, this illustration kind of has lost a little, um, I don't know, a little relevancy in the days of GPS on our phones. But pre-GPS, I can remember being taught how to use a compass when we were out in the woods. And we taught how to use a compass, and they'd say, hey, that's where I want to go. I want to go to that spot way down there, and that's the direction that I want to go. And it may be two miles away, but I can't see exactly where I want to go, but I want to go that direction. And so I'd take the compass, and I would look for something partway up the trail or through the woods or wherever I was going and say, okay, that's where I'm going. I'm going to that tree, and when I get there, I'm going to get my bearings again because I know I'm going to drift. And so I'd get markers partway up the way, and I'd say, you know what? I'm going to get to that spot because I ultimately want to get to that spot. And a mature believer says, you know what? I'm going to, a maturing believer says, I'm going to look for people farther along than me. I'm going to have a teachable spirit, and I'm going to say wherever they're at, I'm going to follow them as they follow Christ. And then when I get there, I'll get my bearings again, and I'll go, and I know in a day like today where we have phones with blue dots, and if you walk the wrong, you know, go this way. You just follow the, man. But fix your eyes on those that are ahead of you. Fix your eyes. A a maturing believer says, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I need to be more like Jesus. I need to fix my eyes on him, but I'm going to look at the people that are following him, and I'm going to be right in behind them, going that direction. And we need people doing that. We need a church that's better equipped, and the world desperately needs us because there's so many people that are away from God that need to be infants become children, young adults, and ultimately parents saying, I want to mature. I want to let God form me into the person. 
And so as I said that list, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, how's your obedience? Because your obedience is where the meat's gonna come. The obedience to the milk things that God has already spoken to you. When you get off and you say, I don't wanna obey that, you stunt your growth. The choice is yours to stunt your growth or not. And God's saying, will you stay on the growth? Will you say yes to me? Will you be obedient? I'm praying through this whole series that our biggest thing right now would be, God, I wanna be obedient to you. So God, I do pray that right now, that we'd be obedient and we'd let the Holy Spirit do his perfect work in us. Whatever tool he wants to use, whatever he wants to do to get us to where we need to be, help the Holy Spirit to use whatever he wants to get us to be obedient and more mature followers of you, Jesus. We want to look like you. We want to grow to be more like you. And so, God, I'm praying whatever area of obedience we need to grab hold of next, we'd do it. We'd grab hold of it. The obedience would be the milk. The obedience would be the meat. And as we see these tougher things that call for more and more and more, God, I pray that we'd be obedient. Thank you, God. I do pray that we'd be a part of life groups. I really do. Joking aside, God, I do pray that people would challenge one another. We'd sharpen each other. Uh, and I even just pray over people that say, I don't need a life group. You may not need exactly what we're teaching, but somebody in the church needs you to be ahead of them on the way. So I just pray that we'd all be in this together, helping each other to mature, helping each other to look more like Jesus, and helping us to reach more people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.